Hello and welcome to another podcast brought to you by Life Community Church, Leamington Spa. Recorded at one of our Sunday morning services, we hope this message inspires, equips and encourages you to grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ. Morning. I reckon uh, based on that response, I'm just going to preach to this side this morning. You, you like whatever. <laughs> It really is a privilege to be here uh, with my family, so Jet, Lily, and Aaron, and uh, as Dave said, it's uh, kind of third time I've been here, so came and led worship, that was beautiful, and I had the privilege of being with the the blokes at the men's breakfast just recently, so I see some familiar faces, can't remember all the names, but just lovely. Um, Didn't the worship team do an awesome job this morning? Just thought, really want to encourage you guys, it's fantastic. Um, I love the sense of God's presence here, and one of the things you get is, it's unusual, because even on the front row, you just hear the people singing. It's, I think it's the, it's the room and it's the building. What a beautiful, precious sound, just a sense of worship here for him. So I wanted to uh, just start by praying and then get into the Word. So Lord, thank you so much for this morning. I thank you that it's such a beautiful church. Thank you for the, the sense of worship and praise and glory to your name. Lord, we thank you for the the gifts that you've given all of us, but we acknowledge that without you, we can't do any of this, and it's all for your glory. And Father, I pray as as your word comes forward now and as I speak, um, Lord, I just acknowledge I can do nothing without you. So we're asking right now for even a deeper sense of the richness of your presence to fill the room as we look at your word together. Would you speak to us? Would you change us? In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So it's a really great Sunday. It's a significant one. It's to do with vision and expectancy of all that God is doing. So I've really been praying. And I feel this word is specific to this church. It's right for this season. And I hope you just open your hearts, open your ears to be encouraged and challenged by the word. So if you've got your Bibles, we're going to look at a passage in 2 Kings, um, chapter 4, verse 4 to 7. And it's a story uh, based in Bible times about a woman who really desperately needs a miracle. And God shows up for her. Let me read it. The wife of a man from the company of the prophets cried out to Elisha. So speaking of her husband, she says, Your servant, my husband, is dead. And you know that he revered the Lord, but now his creditor is coming to take my two boys away as his slaves. Elisha replied to her, how can I help you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? Your servant has nothing at all, she said, except a small jar of olive oil. Elisha said, go around, ask all your neighbors for empty jars. Don't ask for just a few. Then go inside, shut the door behind you and your sons. Pour the oil into all the jars, and as each is filled, put it to one side. So she left him, shut the door behind her and her sons. They brought the jars to her, and she kept pouring. When all the jars were full, she said to her son, bring me another one. But he replied, there's no jars left. And then the oil stopped flowing. She went and told the man of God, and he said, go, sell the oil, pay your debts. You and your sons can live off what is left. Phenomenal story. This woman's in a very desperate moment. What has happened? Her husband has died, and it's a bit like the TV show, Camp Pay Will Take It Away. All right? So they owe debt, but instead of taking the giant massive TV, back in Bible times, they take your kids. 
I can't even comprehend what that would be like to go through as a family. So this woman is desperate, and she's crying out to Elisha. She goes to the man of God and says, man of God, can you help me? And I find Elisha's reply really, really interesting. Elisha looks at this desperate woman, the desperate need, and he says to her, well, how can I help you? It's really funny. <laughs> I'd have thought he'd be really compassionate and kind. Um, yes, I can. how can I help you? And I just felt... Just, I think Elisha knew what God was about to do. And what Elisha was keen for was for this woman to experience for herself what God was about to do. You see, she was going to Elisha, and I think she wanted the man of God to sort out her problems and her issues. And Elisha was saying, hey, this right now is a moment where you can experience another level of faith. You for yourself, you're going to go and do something. And as you do it, you are personally going to experience a new outpouring of the miraculous provision of God. And I felt God wanted to say to us, just right at the beginning, that's going to be true for many of you guys sat here. And it can exist in a lot of churches whereby we turn up and we look to the leaders, we can look to Dave and Leanne and, and their walk and their gifting and their relationship with God. And that's right and it's part of their role. But sometimes we can piggyback of somebody else's revelation and someone else's relationship with God. And what God wants to do here, even this morning, is to say, hey, that's all well and good. But you know what? For yourself, personally, it's time for you to go to another level of obedience and another level of faith and just look at what God is going to do. So he looks at her and he says, what do you have in your house? And she says, your servant has nothing at all. That's her first instinctive response. What do you have? I got nothing. And I think often when I look at the needs or I look at what God is asking us to do, my instinct response is, I got nothing compared to that. What am I supposed to do? And her instinct was to look at all the things she didn't have. Don't we do the same? You may be looking at your community. You may be looking at the needs around you. Perhaps it's in your own family. You may be looking at what you want to do with the church, where you want to go, where you're heading. But you think, Lord, there's so much that we just don't have. We don't have the gifting. We don't have the money. We don't have the time. We don't have enough people. Lord, I don't know what to do with this. And it can be our first thought is to be overwhelmed by the situation or overwhelmed by the need. And we look to what we don't have, don't we? And then she says this beautiful little word. It's, it's like this little light bulb goes on in her mind. But she says, except I have this little bit of oil. And I think that was the moment God was looking for. Just that small word, except. God, you know what? I might have something. And she looked at what she had rather than what she didn't have. And I think God saw in that moment, right, here is room and space and opportunity for a miracle to happen. And so as she was willing just to give of what she had, God said, I can take that and turn it into something abundantly more than you are ever going to believe. Everybody here in this room, if you feel you have nothing or you're overwhelmed by the need and you can get negative, I want you to know you have something within you that God can use. No matter how small. Today, faith is going to rise in the room. Father, I'm in. Would you use me? I'm broken, I'm not perfect, but you can have my heart, you can have my life. Now would you use it? 
Let's stop looking at what we don't have. Let's stop making excuses. Maybe leaving it to other people. Let's not disqualify ourselves and say, well, leave it to them. They're, they're more gifted. They've been a Christian longer. Let's not do that. Today, let's count ourselves in. Because God is looking for that accept moment in your life. And then Elisha says, go around and ask all your neighbors for empty jars. Don't just ask for a few. Now, I don't know what your bedtime routine is, but for me, I always like to have a cup of tea like around 10 o'clock before I go to bed. It used to be coffee, but that's a bad idea. I've changed. But occasionally, when our family planning doesn't go perfectly, I go to the fridge to get the milk to put it in the cup of tea. I open the fridge, and we're out of milk. It's like the worst problem in the world. Now, in that moment, I know I could go to my neighbor and ask for milk, but guess what I do? I just go without because I'm too shy, I'm too nervous, I'm too embarrassed to go next door and ask for help. Okay? Is anyone else a bit like that? I mean, I can get like that with anything. I go in a shop and my son will say, can you ask someone? And I'm like, I'm not going to ask for help. Partly it's pride, probably, and partly it's just embarrassment. There's something wired in us that we don't want to ask for help. And yet Elisha says, right, I want you to go around to all your neighbors, tell them your need, and ask them for help. That's a pretty humble thing to do. I don't know what I would have done in that situation. I may have shied away from that. I don't want other people to know the depth of my need. But let's just put this in the context of the church. I feel God's really speaking to us on this point. It's interesting for me that often as a church, and I'm talking about not just this church, but church as a whole, we can take the attitude of, we've got it, and out there, they need it. Now, I understand that, in that we have Jesus in our life and in our hearts, and they need Jesus, and that's a good point. But we can have this thing of, in here we've got it right, out there, they've got it wrong. We've got what it takes. They have, and, and we can kind of get this thing of, why would we possibly go out there in a sense of humility when we've got all the answers here? And I think sometimes people can be challenged by church in that they feel it's a place for perfect people. How could they possibly come inside these four walls because they wouldn't fit in, would they? Because this is a place for perfect people. Exactly. And a lot of people stay away or they feel they don't fit in. And church can become an uncomfortable place. And that was never God's intention for church. And I love the thought, well, for a start, it's not true, is it? Like, church is not full of perfect people. You've only got to look at me. We're all broken we all have failures, and there's a whole world out there that, that is in great need, but what they're looking for is not people to say, hey, if you measure up, you're welcome, but if you don't measure up, you're not coming in. The, the community doesn't need that. What it needs is people who are willing to go out into the community and say, hey, I haven't got this all sorted out. I haven't got it all figured out, but I know someone who has. And I'm running to him. But I wonder, as my neighbor, as my person in the community, I wonder, do you want to come with me to God? Do you want to come with me to this Jesus? Because he can fix us. He can heal us. He can change us. Hey, we can all do that. 
And suddenly the community isn't thinking church is a place you have to be perfect to belong to. They realize it's a place for broken people to come and be healed when they encounter Jesus. And there's a call on this church, I can totally feel it, to get out into the community and say, hey, we're broken, but Jesus is healing us. Will you join us? I can just see this place filled with broken people from the community encountering the love of Jesus. But it takes a bit of humility, and it takes, you've got to get out there. This woman had to leave her house and get out there before the outpouring of God would happen. Let's not, um, let's not hide our brokenness. You know, I, my wife always smiles when I, I, I rave against Facebook. Right, I'm not on Facebook, and I'm not a Facebook hater, but, or Instagram by that matter. But I just find it funny that people always post and put on all the amazing things they do. Isn't this great? Isn't this wonderful? And I get all of that. But I, I often think in my mind, wouldn't it be funny just to put on all the rubbish things? This is me first thing in the morning. This is me putting the bins out. This is me getting cross with my kids. We don't put this stuff on, do we? This is the mess behind my sofa. Like, take a picture of that and put it on your Insta feed. Um, but I think that the people, are, the community needs to know we're just ordinary people with mess in our lives just like that. But we have the answer. And if we come with that attitude of humility, I think it breaks things. And it leads to communities being changed and transformed. Third thing is, I just love the relationship in this story between God's amazing resource and our emptiness. And they're linked together. When all the jars were full, she said to her son, bring me another one. But he replied, there's no jars left. And the oil stopped flowing. I find this really, really interesting. When the jars ran out, the outpouring of God stopped. There's nothing to pour into, so it had to stop. The, the measure to which they collected the empty jars, the measure to which there was emptiness and a need for something to be filled, was the measure to which God was willing to pour out and to fill and to resource. And there's a really powerful principle in that. There always has to be more need than more resource. There always has to be more vision than we actually have resource for. And the more the need there is, and the more there's a willingness to say, God, we, we need you. We can't do this without you. The more God is saying, hey, I can pour into that. I can resource that. But the moment there's no need for it, God's like, well, you don't meet, need me then, do you? And, and the, the flow stops. I find this really challenging because my brain works quite logically. And you can call this what you will. You can call it like sense knowledge or sense wisdom versus prophetic wisdom. So I, I, I like a balance sheet. So if we have a need or we have a vision that's going to cost £1,000, I like to know there's £1,000 in the bank got a thousand pounds in the bank we can do a thousand pounds worth of work with it yeah we've got we want to reach 10 people in the community so we need 10 willing volunteers to go out and our brains go if we've got that much resource we can do this much work and God says well that's brilliant you don't need me but when I, I listen to this 
heartbeat of the church. And I listen to Dave and Leanne. And there's so much vision. And there's a massive community out there that so desperately needs Jesus. And it's going to cost way more than we have. It's going to need way more people than we have in this room. And God says, well, that's brilliant. Because there's a level of emptiness and need that I can now fill. And all God's looking for is for us to be willing and open. He says, into that I can pour out. Now look at what I can miraculously do. Because we've made a faith margin. We've made a faith room for God to impact people. So I just encourage you to keep a a soft heart. Always keep room for faith. If, If you're minded like we often are, we can slip into Well, it doesn't make sense, so how's God going to do it? And God goes, that's where I operate, because now you need faith. And this Sunday is is all about faith and faith building and out of us flowing our giving of our time and our talents and our finance because we want to see a community reach for Jesus. Sometimes... We can come to church and we can pray, God, would you move? We can come to church, we can pray, God, pour out your spirit. God, we want to see your kingdom come. And God's listening, but I think sometimes he says, that's great, but where are the empty jars? You wanted me to pour out, but what am I supposed to pour out into? I don't see a lot of emptiness sometimes. I think sometimes God says, I don't see a deep desire I don't see a hunger and a passion. No, I thank God that you can feel it in this room. But God's always looking for more. The level to which we can desire his presence, we can desire after him, we can be desiring him to move is the measure to which he will pour out his spirit afresh in this town. This next point I feel is really important. Elisha says to her, go inside, shut the door behind you and your son's. Pour oil into all the jars, and as each is filled, put it to one side. I love the mix here of what happens in the public and what happens in the private personal space. So in the one breath, Elisha says, go out to all your neighbors. And there's this big public thing where she has to go out and acknowledge her need, and it's all public. But then he says to her quite specifically, go home, shut the door. And in that place, God will do the miracle. And I totally believe... We can gather in our services, and that's really profoundly important. We can gather together and pray for God to break through, pray for God to move, and that's vital. But the truth is, the level to which the church can go, it's limited by the level of your personal relationship and devotion to God the Father. And churches never really grow and revive without each individual person coming to a deeper relationship with Jesus in that private place where no one's looking, where no one sees. And I I love church services, and I love gathering people, and I love music and worship, and I love doing all of that well. And there's little things that we learn and little things that we can do, and we can be constantly thinking, how do we do this better and do that better? And it's all brilliant. There's nothing wrong with it. But we can miss the point that the The whole thing that really fuels everything is our personal love and devotion with the Father. And Elisha says, go home, shut the door, and in that place, pour out your heart to him, call on him, and in that place, that's where he does the miracle. 
So I encourage you guys, to don't rely on the anointing of someone else. Don't rely on the devotion life of somebody else. But again, afresh today, just come back to the Father saying, Father, I want to know you more. I want a deeper relationship with you. And you'll be amazed at what God can do. And I know what it's like. We all know the right things to say in public. It's sometimes easier to pray in public than it is in private. But God wants to do a personal work in us because ultimately he's the source, right? He's the source. And we come to him and he takes care of it. And we can focus on, Lord, what can we say? I mean, so being honest with you, when you're leading a church, it can feel like the main purpose is we've got to get more people in. We've got to get them serving their time. If we can get them serving in a department, then we're doing well. If we can get them giving money, okay, we're doing really well now. And that stuff's all good, but it's never the focus of the church. You know what the focus is? He's the source. And actually, as we focus on him and on getting closer to him, the giving flows. The serving flows because we can't help it because the more in love with him we are, the more we want to give. The more we realize that he's the source of our life, we realize that our money's never ours. We just steward it. Father, what do you want me to do with my money? My time is never mine. It's yours. It's a gift from you. What do you want me to do with my time? And as we get closer with the Father, all of that stuff falls into place. So to encourage you this morning, I don't want to focus on trying to make you feel you have to give more and do more. I just want you to fall more in love with Jesus. As you do that, everything flows out of it. He's the source final point. I love this. God does this miracle. She goes back to Elisha and says, you never believe it. I think he knew. All the jars were filled. And Elisha says, go, sell the oil, pay your debts. You and your sons can live off what is left. I just felt this, right? There are so many people with debt. I'm not just talking financial debt. There's emotional debt. There's spiritual debt. There's masses of relational debt. Lonely people, broken relationships, isolated. Minds that are just broken. Hearts that are broken. Spiritually in debt and financial debt. They're right on our doorstep. They're probably here in this room. And God's heart is, I want to heal all of that. And as you make yourself open and he pours in, he heals the brokenhearted. He heals the spiritually broken. He heals those who have broken relationships and are lonely and isolated. He heals the broken mind. What a beautiful thing. And as churches and as individuals, he calls us, hey, come be part of that healing. And then he says, and after he's done that healing, he says, and there's even more. Go and live in the overflow of what I've done. And God wants us to live in the overflow. And I wrote this down. Where does your overflow go? Yeah? I have this picture. It's not in the Bible story, but I have this picture of, and let me just set this up. Um, I'm not very good at lending stuff to people, right? When I lend stuff, I'm always thinking, no, I ain't going to see that again, am I? And I know that happens because I'm like, where's that book gone? I lent it so I can't. 
But if I have to lend something that's precious to me, like lend out my guitar or lend out my golf clubs, I do do it because we're supposed to. But I'm like, yes, you can have it. And I'm, I'm worried and I'm anxious. Is it going to get broken? Is it going to get bust? And I'm imagining all these neighbors that have given these big jars to this woman, thinking, I'm never going to see that jar again. That's gone. And I imagine it's, it's late in the evening, and I just picture a knock at the door, and there's this woman, right, with her two sons. And the reason she's got her two sons with her is because this jar is now so heavy because it's full of oil, the woman can't carry it on her own. And I just have this picture of one of her neighbors opening up the door, and the woman's there going, you're never going to believe this. Look what God has done. We've got enough, but there's an overflow. Hey, can I share that overflow with you? You know what? Jesus did this. Can I introduce you to the God who just performed this miracle? I just And she brings her sons with her, and they're all involved. Where does your overflow go? Like, I totally believe it went back to the neighbors, back to the community. Look what God is doing. And it poured out, and it spilled out on friends and family and neighbors. And... The overflow that God wants to do here, it's not just within these four walls. It was never designed for that. It's to spill out of your life and touch those around you. I want to pray, but I felt really specifically to pray for one thing in particular. As I was reading the vision book, Double Vision, and the scripture that God has put on David and Leanne's heart, was it Elisha asking Elijah for a double anointing? And I think David had even written in the notes that in Bible times, a double anointing was significant. It was a symbol of sonship. And the firstborn son would receive a double inheritance, a double anointing. And what God's wanting to do here is he pours out in a new way, in a fresh way. But he wants you to know that it's out of a place of sonship or daughtership, it's out of a place of family. I felt that word was really significant. This whole story is built around a family. And God does a miracle within the context of family. And God's going to do something incredible here in this church, but it's within this context of family in two ways. One, it's a place where people belong. No one feels excluded. No matter where they come from, what they're doing, they're part of it. Number two, when you're a son... You have the authority of the Father. When you're a son, you have the resource of the Father. It's an unlimited bank account. It's an unlimited place of resource. And it's not that we deserve it. It's just that we're his sons and daughters. So let's stand together. I want to pray that over you this morning. Why don't you just... Reach out your hands to him. I believe he wants to just impart things to us this morning. Father, we thank you that we are your sons and your daughters. And with this vision for double services, it's so much more than just doing two services. Lord, the vision is that it would be a total overflow of your power and your presence, and it would spill out into the community, and it would change and transform lives. But I pray, Lord, right now, for every single person who's perhaps feeling an inadequate, or I don't have anything except this little bit of oil, or my situation is so difficult, I pray right now for a revelation and an understanding that they are your son and they're your daughter. And so they live and they breathe in the authority that you give them. 
And they live and they breathe out of the resource that you have for us, which is abundantly more than we can possibly imagine. Lord, we thank you for this church that the vision is big. Lord, but your provision is so much bigger. And we admit we can't do any of this on our own, but we're hungry for you. We desire you. We're open. We're vessels. Would you begin right now just to pour afresh your spirit, your presence into our lives and hearts. And I pray there would be an overflow of serving, an overflow of giving, joy in giving, joy in serving as we see this church transformed by your power and your presence. Lord, I pray for people here who may feel a bit like that woman, that they're in the middle of a desperate situation. A desperate situation. Don't know where to go to, who to turn to. I pray today that faith will begin to rise in their heart. You're the way maker. You're the promise keeper. They are not alone. Lord, we pray for miracles in people's lives this morning that would bring about change and transformation. Father, we just acknowledge together, right now, before we move on, that you're the source. It all comes from you and it's all for you. I pray for every single one of us, we would grow deeper in our relationship with you. We would love you more. We would know you more. In Jesus' precious name. Amen. 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 We hope that you enjoyed this message. For many more resources and for more information, visit our website at www.life-cc.org.